0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by InsideTexas.com publisher, Eric Naline. Uh, Eric and I are going to talk about a host of subjects today uh, in this week's State of the Program. Eric, welcome in. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to start with something that we've been talking about on the board quite a bit, uh, and that is that Texas' overall athletic department right now uh, may be one of the best in the country or is, ostensibly if you go by the director's cup ranking, uh, apparently going to be the best labeled the best athletic department in the country. What do you think that means, uh, on a grand scale at Texas? Uh, what are the benefits of it? Um, some people are, well, I only care about football or I only care about basketball. What, what do you think the the overall, uh, value of something like that
1: is? Well, I mean, it, it demonstrates a commitment in the overall athletic department and the school, uh, large at large uh, that they want to win you know if, if they want to win at softball then you could probably uh, bet yourself that they do want to win at football I know you it's a it's a common trope on the internet to see they don't want to win it at, fo- at football and maybe there there were times that they put revenue ahead of uh, victories uh but I don't think that's the case and that hasn't been the case for the last couple of years they keep buying out coaches because they do want to win If they didn't want to win they would have kept Tom Herman around um, so, you know, I think it speaks well of the, the hiring practices of, of Chris Del Conte. I know you just wrote a piece about that, um, but I think it, you know, it just demonstrates that the school wants to be the best at everything they do. And just because it hasn't happened at football doesn't mean that's not their, that's, that doesn't mean that that's not their goal.
0: What about momentum? You know, I, this is one thing I, I, you know, you've been in athletic departments before and, and been around athletes, whether it's at high school or what, whatever level, you know, It seems to me that winning breeds winning, almost right. The the softball team sees the rowing team win. The rowing team sees the tennis team win. Um, You know the the golf team sees it all happen. They do it too. Is there a um, you know we? It's hard to put your finger on it, right? And and say that it's definitely a piece of it. But isn't that part of it? Other other peers see their peers winning, and so they want to do it too.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, oh, I think it's part of that standard. I think it's also there's a, a kind of a competitive nature that they all have. A lot of there's there are a lot of friends just because they're in one sport. That doesn't mean that they, that they don't hang out with the other other players. And you know, there's expectations uh, throughout the whole uh, athletic department. I think those guys want to win, and they want, or those gals too. They want bragging rights. But you know, it's interesting to see that these. Uh, you know, a lot of these teams have a winning culture and that's what football is trying to get. And so I'm not surprised to see that, that some of the programs are, are overperforming because they're kind of used to winning, winning and they're used to having those expectations on them. Uh, we're seeing that almost across the board. They're going to win the Director's Cup without getting any points from football. Uh, that's a, that's kind of a monumental feat right there. Um, but I think the coaches that they brought in have done a great job of instilling culture. Vic Schaefer, of course, uh, Chris Beard. Um, you know, and, and then the other other programs are used to winning Mike White, that softball team. This is his sixth time he's been to the uh, Women's College World Series. Uh, he just knows how to win. And, you know, his, his expectations of his teams are are, are to win uh, year in and year out, even if they're, they're not um, uh, on paper as good as previous teams. So Steve Sarkeesian is still fighting that battle to get his program to that level where those expectations are are there year in and year out. And that culture of winning is deeply rooted.
0: Yep, David Pierce, he did not hire. Pierce came in before, um, uh, before Del Conte. He did hire, Del Conte did hire Edric Floreal, uh, uh, the uh, track coach for the men and women that are uh, competing for the national championship. The men, uh, I believe, already won the indoor track champ- national championship earlier this year. Uh, so, Floreal, uh, I had never heard of him before, uh, obviously, but he came from Kentucky had been successful there. Uh, And uh, Del Conte hired him uh, to succeed succeed, uh, Marco Santina, I think is the the proper way to say that name. You know, I I feel like um, with the non-revenue sports and then with the two big sports that that Del Conte has the most say, which really is uh, men's and women's basketball, right, as well as baseball, um, Texas is in good hands right now.
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. You know, it was funny. Um, I, we, we, we both have some people in common that, that raved about Vic Schaefer. I was at that speaking event with Del Conte and, and Sarkeesian and Vic Schaefer act, actually stole the show. I was wondering how this bumpkin relates to these 16 through 22 year old women and gets them motivated to play, but man, I was ready to run through a wall for him too. Uh, there were, he was auctioning off seats, uh, to, to come hang out with the team and raise money for the program. And, um, you know, he, he was sitting there, you know, kind of getting breeding competition between the people. And he said, well, I'm not going to run this auction myself. And, he, you know, he brought up the lady that was hosting the event. And the second she stepped up, he just took over and he, he looked like a, a full-blown auctioneer. Uh, so he raised the stakes as high as he could. And then he, he told both of them, why don't both of you guys just agree to pay? So instead of raising $7,500 for, uh, for the prize, he raised $15,000 uh, $15, just like that. And it happened in the, in the span of minutes, just a whirlwind. So that guy... <laughs> I'm a big fan of Vic Schaefer. he's I'm, he's gonna have me paying closer attention to women's college basketball for
0: sure. It's crazy because I, I mean, look I'm a primarily primarily a football fan at Texas I, I, I think that's that would probably describe 90 um, percent 75 80 percent of the fans right out uh, there
1: It's probably higher than 95 percent.
0: Uh, okay yeah but at the same time, I think you and I recognize that there's <laughs> value in other sports uh, doing well. Representing Texas well across the board in uh, and, and the more the Longhorn logo. And I, I talked to Chris Del Conte about this uh, about a month ago. Uh, it was just a, a normal conversation. The more the Longhorn logo can represent excellence. That's really what Chris Del Conte is going for. Um, and uh, co- hiring coaches uh, and succeeding on the field of play, whether it's, uh, you know, on a basketball court or, on a track uh, in a track meet or uh, on, a, on a baseball pitch or softball pitch, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, a, a diamond, I should say. But I feel like that's where Chris Del Conte's um, ideology or um, thesis really fits very well with those that like the University of Texas, whether it's just football or all of the sports. They all want to see excellence at a standard uh, that is uh, different than, than maybe that has been there in the past across all sports. Uh, so I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like the athletic department right now is, is in good shape. Obviously, uh, Longhorn ladies playing for a national championship, uh, best two out of three uh, starts tonight against Oklahoma. Uh, the track and field team uh, in there uh, as well. I think their, their meet starts on Thursday. Uh, baseball plays at East Carolina, uh, on Friday, starting there. Um, all right, Eric, let's, let's shift gears now to football. Uh, you've had a couple of different pieces. I talked yesterday and wrote a little bit yesterday about hearing some good things about a couple of players behind the scenes. I'd love to get your, your thought process on a couple of players, Brennan Thompson and Justice Finkley, and what you've heard thus far, uh, of the true freshmen.
1: Yeah, Brennan Thompson is off to a good start. He's making some good contested catches in seven-on-seven. Seven. Uh, you know, he's got the work ethic. We all know the speed is there. That's, uh, you know, that's going to translate. You always want to find the, the traits that are going to translate from high school to college. Obviously, he's got a step up in competition, a major step up in competition. He's also uh, needs to knock off some football rust after missing a, a good part of his uh, senior season. Uh, but he's running good routes and, has, and is showing good hands. And if that's the case, then we know he's going to translate at a high level because everything else is there. The, the speed is there. The toughness is there. Uh, the maturity is there to become a a good player early on in his career. So he's showing he's showing the things that we that might be the question marks coming in. Now some people are saying this is the same thing we heard about Xavier Worthy, but they need to slow down on that because that's that's not what we're hearing here. Uh, he's going to contribute this year, but we're not expecting him to have a starring role uh, early on. Year two now that that's a different story.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I, I agree with you. So that's that's what I try to I I, I want to make sure people understood the difference where Xavier Worthy had a free path to a starting role. I mean, there literally was nobody really in front of him uh, pushing him. Uh, Brennan Thompson is a lot different because he plays the same role uh, ostensibly as Jordan Whittington, right? Um, And so you have a fourth-year senior that is a hard worker, mature player uh, in front of him uh, and is also a good player, talented player. Uh, So it's a little bit different as that wide receiver room gets a little bit more talented.
1: Yeah, but he's just going to be have to be ready to play. And I think um, you know they're not going to play. Uh, they're not going to play a ton of wide receivers. But anybody that adds a different element is going to have a little role for him. So I mean, if you got ten two speed, uh, you're going to see the field. You know, if you catch the ball, uh, you know, you're going to see the field. So uh, he might not get a ton of targets, but I expect him to, to uh, get assimilated into the offense, have some sort of role, and be ready to roll uh, uh, year two. And ma- you know, maybe we see him return punts or something.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, that's how they use Jalen Waddle at, at Alabama, right? Um, yeah. A little bit of a change of pace guy. Right. Um, uh, he, Sarkeesian used him early in his career, uh, and then he returned kicks and punts at, at the same time. It'll be interesting to see if that's what uh, he has in, uh, Sarkeesian has in store uh, for Brennan Thompson, the, the young freshman out of uh, Spearman. Uh, what are you hearing about other prospects? I mentioned Justice Finkley and his maturity uh, level at some at some point being something that I've heard positive, any other freshmen that you're hearing right now or newcomers in general uh, right uh,
1: now. Yeah, I mean, I heard some good things about Ajay Hall. Uh, apparently, you know, um, if anybody remembers that play at the national championship game against Georgia on that crossing route, uh, it sounds like, you know, he, he's been doing some similar things on similar routes uh, in seven on seven. He's, you know, he's big and fast. You know, everybody talks about how fast he is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how consistent he is with his hands as competition uh, gets gets better in seven on seven. You know, I don't think it's super, super spirited right now, not from an effort level standpoint, just from, uh, uh, you know, the defense is hanging back a little bit. Uh, the wide receivers and quarterbacks are working on building a connection. So, you know, the, the I would say that the DBs are shadowing a little more. It's not super competitive. Guys aren't going, you know, flying at 100 percent and going up for pass breakups and that sort of thing. But uh, athletically, he's, you know, every bit the everything that we had heard about.
0: Um, you look at the team right now, and you've mentioned that they're doing. I, to give the people the lay of the land as far as weekly workout routines for the for the horns right now.
1: Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are a lift and run, uh, basically your standard stuff. Um, and then Tuesday and Thursday are really the nuts and bolts of the week, where they they spend a lot of time in the classroom. And they take what they learn in the classroom and apply it to the field that very day. That's where the coaches are are using their time. They're new a lot of time that the NCAA allows for uh, coaches to spend. In the classroom and on the field, and so those are the big days. And then they come back, they do some seven on seven on those days, and then they come back later in the day and they lift and run again. So uh, Tuesday and Thursday are the heavy workload days. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not doing more on Monday and Wednesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but um, you know those are the those are lighter on that. And I think it, that's when the onus is more on the players to do more and get together and, and work uh, work independently of what the, the, the coaches have asked them to do, uh, just to get that over put put in some overtime.
0: You hearing anything yet on any of the young freshman offensive linemen? Uh,
1: I, you know, I haven't heard anything from them from a talent perspective yet. I mean, you know, we've we've heard more of uh, maturity uh, from Kelvin Banks, kind of what you expect. Uh, shows to be a hard worker, very attentive, that sort of thing. Uh, we you know we've heard how big they are. Um, you know, they're bigger than a lot of the the, the older players. Uh, they certainly look the part. Um, you know, I didn't make any calls. What's today? Tuesday. So I'll hear some stuff later today, and maybe we'll hear some more about the freshmen. Uh, but so far they haven't done a whole lot um, as far as, you know, going one-on-one with the, the older players. You know, when they do seven-on-seven, the, the, the offensive line and the D-line do, do have uh, activities together. But I haven't heard much, uh, you know, I haven't heard much about that uh, so far. It's still really early. Last week was the first week. So really they only have two days under their belts. Um, We'll see if they're lifting the the freshmen were lifting uh, by themselves earlier before the the upperclassmen. Uh, We'll see if they get assimilated in with the older players um, uh, this week.
0: Longhorns uh, also picked up Diamante Tucker Dorsey, the linebacker, late in the process. Uh, grad transfer from James Madison, two-year starter uh, last season. He was a uh, FCS All-American. Uh, any any thoughts? Any any anything you've heard there at, at this point, or is it still just too early with with some of these guys?
1: Yeah, it's too early. Last week was more about a you know what's the team attitude? You know where's every you know what's the excitement level that sort of thing. Uh, they're not really doing. It. He's 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 learning a brand-new playbook. They're just doing seven-on-seven, seven, like I said, where it's more designed for the the uh, success of the offense. Um, you know, we'll hear more about him as, as it goes on. But it, like I said, it, it's real early. I know everybody's thirsting for that information. I am, too. Uh, you just need more uh, more of a data set to, to go with.
0: Yeah, it, sometimes it just takes – I mean, you can't – hurry up and rush everything right
1: well i i also hate when i have a early early update on it and then that becomes a narrative for that player forever and if you know game one he's terrible oh, i thought you said he was great on first practice june 4th you like i mean come on man that's not how it works
0: <laughs> yeah i i i agree with that because you know brendan thompson still there's three months here uh right. before before he plays a down and so uh, he's he's still got the you know sometimes those freshmen hit Uh, a big uh, a big uh, obstacle right in the middle of it and something something goes south so i I don't expect that to happen but everybody needs to understand that that's a
1: reality right yeah sure i mean they come in some some guys they they do hit a wall i mean i I think terrence brooks hit a wall in in the uh spring ball this this year we were hearing really good things earlier on and then he he sort of faded a little bit i think i think he did hit a spring ball uh, uh a wall so yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, but, but, you know, the early returns that, that you know are going to carry over, you know, Kelvin Banks's maturity, that's going to be a good sign. Um, you know, Brennan Thompson, uh, his hands uh, appearing to be, they were, I wouldn't say they were a question mark coming in, but, but it's not something you know because he's not making all these contested catches. A lot of his throws were 10 yards from the quarterback, um, you know, so those are good early signs, but that's all they are is early signs. All
0: right. Um, Eric uh, recruiting, uh, Longhorn football team. Uh, really going at it right now and recruiting. June is a huge month uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, Texas, uh, obviously, uh, bringing some guys in this weekend, uh, the following weekend, and then the following weekend after that. Uh, what are, who are some of the names and, and what are we really thinking right now as Texas gears up for this big month?
1: Well, I see on three had a quote from uh, Cedric Baxter, maybe the, the top running back in the nation, saying that Alabama was now his top school after being left out of his top five. I, that's kind of, that, that was pretty interesting. Well, I guess maybe he just started doing his homework on Alabama and saw that they were pretty good. I don't know. Uh, but he'll be in this weekend. Obviously, that's going to be a tough one to pull pull him out of Florida. Um And then uh, Spencer Shannon tight end out of uh, Southern California, modern day is going to be on campus. Um, Texas is in a good position. We'll see how hard they push if they're trying to push for a commitment or if they are just trying to get to know them a little better. Uh, But those are the two guys coming in the following weekend. I know everybody cares about Arch after the uh, Georgia visit. Uh, Everything we hear there is still still favorable for Texas. You know, I don't, there's not a lot of information coming out of the Georgia side. So it's harder to put that sort of a, a piece of the puzzle together. Uh, just because you're not hearing much out of any of his other visits, uh, but you know we've heard that. Um, I, you know, my personal belief is these off these official visits aren't very big in that recruitment. I think he has a pretty good idea of each of what each school offers, and I think he has a pretty good idea of where he wants to go. A
0: couple of things, uh, real quick. Uh, uh, Hawaiian linebackers, two Hawaiian linebackers. I made a mistake yesterday. Two Hawaiian linebackers are coming in this week. One is related to the volleyball transfer, and that's an unofficial visit, apparently. And then another, Liani Liafu is coming in, and he's from Kahuku, Hawaii. He's coming in this week with, uh, Baxter and, and, um, uh, with Baxter and Spencer Shannon as well. Then we have Colton Vosick, who Texas is, is you know, obviously he's a legacy at Austin-Westlake. Uh, he's coming in midweek for a midweek visit, and then you have the Arch Manning group coming in as well. Um, a lot is made about Arch Manning being a potential centerpiece of the class, right? What what if that is the case, and, and if he were to go to Texas, where do you see this class going uh, from here? Do you have any like direct ties? Obviously, I would imagine re- receivers are going to be uh, pretty excited about that, but what about other positions?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the uh, rising tide that, that lifts all ships. It would make it easier to recruit everybody. Um, you know, and you, you're going to have you'll have players reaching out to Texas uh, unsolicited to the coaches. Hey, coach, I haven't talked to you in three months. Well, yeah, that's because you didn't respond to me. <laughs> you know, it's uh, so it's going to change things in that regard. But, it, you know, it'll help out with defense. Uh, the Mannings do have some uh, I wouldn't say concerns, but they want they want the defensive players to come in the same quality as the offensive players. So I think he's going to start reaching out and doing a lot of things behind the scenes if they do get him committed. Um, it will make a difference. I don't know if it's going to make a huge difference, but there are two tracks. If, if they get him, they can have another top three finish. If not, then they're going to have to really win on the field and then probably uh, catch lightning in a bottle again like they did uh, last December. Um, so I mean, it's going to help. I don't know that he's going to have direct ties on, on defensive players and they're going to say, oh, Arch Manning's going there because it doesn't really work that way. Um, but it will be a plus for them especially if they can put together a nine or 10 win season. So, uh, you know, they're in a, they're in a good spot with Arch. Like I said, I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, But to me, it's closing time. And I think it's, we're going to see that thing locked up in June or July. You
0: mentioned time and you're saying June and July, I was going to ask you, that was my next question literally is timeline. So you think it could be as soon as the next 30 to 60 days?
1: Yeah. Nobody knows how he's going to do it. Um, You know, I don't even know that they know for sure. You know, there are things that they're very, there's very limited information on, but I think that's what (laughs) the things that they have no clue about themselves, you know, Um, after he visits Texas, I'll be prepared for it at any time. I just don't know when it will be, you know, the Manning Passing Academy seems like it would be a pretty good opportunity the following weekend. Um, You know, if it's, if he does want to go to Texas, they know that they're a big part of that recruiting process for the rest of the class. And and so, you know, you would want to try to take advantage of that as, as soon as possible, especially with all those offensive linemen coming in, uh, the following weekend, so that might be a good opportunity. I'm not saying they're they're doing it then. I'm just saying we're we're on watch. Like I said, uh, nobody knows, and and things are very tight lipped about how they're going to go about it. Um, you know, it's probably not going to be on Twitter. You know, he hasn't tweeted yet. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do. Is that something that ESPN ESPN carries? Because you know, I think he's big enough for them to do that.
0: Yeah, it it is, and 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 obviously his uh, uncles have their own Monday night show and. There's a tie-in there as well. Um, Anything else you're looking forward to over the next week to 10 days that you're really eyeing from a recruiting perspective, like a couple of guys that you think are, hey, we're really trying to figure out what these guys are doing and and these are important visits for the Longhorns?
1: Well, I want to see if they're going to offer any more uh, players at the camps that they have coming up. You know, last year they offered Xavier and Bryce and uh, he committed after a long battle with OU. Um, you know, after losing Ian Reed yesterday, uh, are they going to bring in some offensive linemen that have a chance to, to pick up an offer? You know, I think Vice and Lang is coming in on an unofficial visit, uh, I think from Alabaster, Alabama, that uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Are they going to offer him? They, they um, I'm surprised that they have not cast a wider net at offensive line, especially with their expectation uh, that they're going to get arch. Um, you would think that they'd be uh, carpet bombing nationally. Um, they seem to be really uh, excited about the the guys they've offered, but two of them dropped out of late with Harris Sewell and Ian Reed. So they're going to have to probably expand the net a little bit and see, uh, see if they can uh, get some more quality, uh, quality options in.
0: Yeah. You mentioned their, their camps, those come up, not as people may or may not know. Some camps are definitely evaluation camps. Sure. Um, They bring in top players and see if they, you know, they're on the verge of an offer or if they already have an offer, they really find out whether or not they want them to press for, for a, a, a commitment even out of those, those players. And then you have the guys who bring their ninth-grade sons in, those kind of camps. There's, right. They're totally different, um, sometimes even happening on the same field at the same time, uh, but totally different perspectives. Uh, so those are the camps that, that Eric is talking about, these evaluation camps. That are taking place. I guess ones that they start the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, or something like that. I believe so. That's the next uh, handful. Uh, yeah, yeah. You'll
1: days. see the one on the. Yeah, we should probably talk about the eleventh a little bit. The ninth is uh, the ninth is an elite camp, but I think that's more of an evaluation camp of twenty twenty fours. The ninth is an O line D line camp, and that's why you know we're trying to see if they've got any offensive linemen in that are that are pretty interesting that they'll they'll go after. Uh, we haven't heard yet, but we're we're checking on that. Um, and then this weekend, you know, they've got, uh, Julian saying coming in the five-star 2024 quarterback from California. And there he's coming in with a number of, uh, not, a, he's not coming in necessarily with a number of elite, but they're bringing another, a number of 2024 guys that they're very high on some 2025, five players as well. Um, and they won't, they'll be running around out there, but that's not really for evaluation. That's just for the kids to kind of have fun. They did the same thing with Arch, John Tate, Cook, Ruben Owens, and, and some other guys last year.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, Eric Nolene, uh publisher, InsideTexas.com. This has been our weekly program, state of the program. Uh, Eric, uh, thanks for uh, all you do. Uh, we'll be reading you uh, on InsideTexas.com, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks a so bunch, man. Thanks, Bobby. All right. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming,